I don't know about you this morning. I don't know how you came in. I don't know what's in your life. I don't know the things that are where you are at. Someone's just lost, lost a loved one. That's not fun. That's hard. Some of you may have lost your job. Some of you are estranged from your children or from your, your marriages or broken. And you might be in the same place that I feel that how in the world do I move forward? What can I do? You know what's really encouraging? Is God has put people in the Bible. How many of you are really glad that he put people in the Bible? He put people like us in the Bible, and we're going to look at a person this morning. We're going to look at the person of Jacob. So we're going to jump all over the book of Genesis, so you can turn to Genesis if you want, but good luck finding where I'm going to go, because we're going to jump all over Genesis this morning. And we're going to talk about Jacob. And before we talk about Jacob, I guess I want to just kind of start here. You know, um, remember who Jacob is. Some of you, if you're new to church, I'm sorry, I'm going to... I'm going to make a lot of assumptions this morning. We're going to talk about biblical characters that maybe you're not as familiar with, so please forgive me and just try to follow the storyline as best you can. But many of you have been in church most of your life. You know the stories about Jacob and where he is. And remember now that Jacob was, was the son. He was the second born. He wasn't supposed to be the one who was supposed to be given the birthright, though God said he was going to get it. So his mom decides that she's going to circumvent God and deceive her husband by manipulating him by her her blind husband now is going to bless the wrong son. (laughs) You know the whole story, and Jacob, of course, his name means, anyone want to shout it out? What's his name mean? Deceiver, and he lived up to his name. But we discover that he wasn't just by himself. He didn't learn how to deceive by himself. In fact, his mom taught him because his mom's brother was really good at deceiving too. And so he went, and when his brother was ready to kill him because he took his birthright, he ran over to his uncle, and his uncle Laban deceived him like seven different times. Even to the point of actually deceiving him with which wife he could actually marry. He really loved one woman, and, and, and he said, yeah, we work seven years, I'll give you my, I'll give you my daughter. And, and that night he gets him all drunk so he doesn't know what's going on, and he gives him his other daughter. He was deceived right from the beginning. Now, I want to give you, how many are, how many are like um, crackpot theologians in the room? Any, any, how many fancy yourself to be somewhat of a theologian? How many pretend? Okay, I'm not even trying to say... I want to give you a weird theological thought, okay? So just side note for you as theological people. God could have fulfilled all of his promises through Leah. Rest on that for those people who like to think about those kind of things. Anyways, that's a whole lot of thinking going on there, okay? But back to this, back to Jacob. So Jacob, of course, he runs back across. Now God is calling him back into the land of Canaan where his great-grandfather, Terah, was actually called and didn't finish. And his father, his grandfather, Abraham, actually did finish and do what he was supposed to do and went to the land of Canaan. And when he went there, he was called and he was promised, Abraham was promised that his seed would be as many as the seas, the sand of the seashore, and many as the stars in the sky. And so Jacob was also the son of promise. He was the one that was given the blessing that followed Abraham and Isaac and now Jacob. And now he was given, and we know that when he was getting ready to go back over to Canaan, he was, he was afraid of his brother, right? Remember, he was afraid of his brother Esau. And so he begged God, and God met him that night, and they wrestled, and God touched his hip, and God, he wrestled all night. Now, it's interesting. It's a wonderful story. Go back and read that. It's Jacob would wrestle with God. In fact, it says that God, or the man, which we think was the pre-incarnate Christ, that's our perspective, but we don't know that. Well, God will teach us those things when we get to heaven. But anyways, the man knew that he would not let him go. 
until he blessed him. And so he hurt his hip, and he blessed him, and he changed his name to what? Anyone remember what his name is now called? Israel, the one who wrestles with God and with man. Jacob now is Israel, and he wrestles with God and with man. And so Jacob goes back into the promised land, and now he's setting up himself and ready to try to do what God wants him to do, but now he's still living in tents. He doesn't live in a house. He's waiting for God to fulfill his promises. And then he has all these children with these four different women because that's how it worked out. It wasn't necessarily what God wanted. I will tell you that straight up. That's not what God wanted. But God used it, and it's amazing how that worked. And so now, all of a sudden, he has one son from the wife that he really loved, and he has a second son, and after he has a second son, his wife passes away, and so he has this loss. And now he has his firstborn son from the wife that he loves. His name is Joseph, and Joseph is really a special son of honor, and he's the younger, one of the younger ones of all of the 12 boys, and, and he is told by his dad, I want you to go out and check on those other 10 boys. Uh, they're trouble. I'm sure they're up to something. Here's some food. Go give them some stuff. They're going to go. They're, they're, they're out shepherding these flocks. Go find them and check on them and come back and tell me what the heck is going on with these guys. Right? And you guys know the story. Because when Joseph goes, his brothers hate him. They want to kill him. In fact, they're ready to kill him and they're beating him up and they throw him in a pit. And the brother Reuben tries to convince him, hey, well, we'll, just, we'll, we'll deal with him later. And, and Reuben goes off. He's the oldest, and he's trying to protect Joseph. And, the, and all of a sudden, these Ishmaelites come through, and they're traitors. And, and they're like, hey, we don't have to kill him. We can make some money. And they sold him to Egypt as a slave for 20 pieces of silver. Remember the story? Joseph goes down to Egypt, sold as a slave, almost killed by his brothers. So the brothers now have to tell dad a story. And so they take his coat of many colors, a representation of how he was spoiled over the other ones. And they rip it up in shreds and they, and they put animal blood on it, right? And they bring it back to his dad. And we pick the story up here in Genesis chapter 37, verse 33. <clears throat> he said, <clears throat> they, now they're talking to their dad and they told dad a big, big fat lie about how this all happened, how Joseph... They found this jacket magically along the way, <clears throat> like somehow they found it. I mean, it's a pretty large desert. I don't know where they, you know, magically found the jacket. They found the jacket along the way, and, and they asked, he says in verse 33, in chapter 37, he recognized it, Jacob now, recognized it and said, it is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Jacob bought their garbage. <laughs> their story, their lie. And it says in verse 34, then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. And so the father wept for him. I want us, this morning, I want us to put ourselves in Jacob's shoes or sandals. <laughs> I want us to think about Jacob and his perspective. I want us to put our, you, many of you know the story, so you've got all the cheat sheets, you know the answers. Try to forego knowing all of the answers to this story and think about Jacob for a minute. Jacob does not know that his son is alive. Jacob now believes Joseph is dead. And remember, 
now also the wife who he really loved and he spent basically 14 years working for, seven supposedly, but really 14 years working for, this wife is dead as well. The things that he loves are passing away. That's Jacob. So we pick up the story 21 years later. Joseph goes down to Egypt, as you remember. He was a slave for Potiphar. Potiphar's wife decides she's going to try to get him to sleep with her. He doesn't want any part of it. She lies to her husband that he was trying to do something to her, throws him into prison. So he goes down as a, as a slave, and he's such a good slave, he works so hard to do the right thing that he becomes in charge of this wealthy man's home, and then he gets tricked by the wife, and he's now mistreated and misjudged and sent to prison. And he's so good in prison and does the right thing in prison so that now he's the leader of the prison and taking care of everything in the prison. And then finally, now the Pharaoh says, I have a dream, and he's the only one who can interpret it. And you know the story. Joseph is now over all of, all of Egypt, except what the Pharaoh says not to do, but everything else. And this is now 21 years later. We find ourselves, Jacob, we know the story that the part of the dream was that, that there's going to be a famine, and so the famine has happened in the, le- the region. And now we find that the, the family back in Canaan is starving because there's been a famine for over a year, and they're having trouble. We pick it up in Genesis chapter 42 and verse 1. It says, when Jacob learned there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you just keep looking at each other? Like, everyone's like, well, I don't know what we're going to do. We're starving to death. Well, I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And he continued, I've heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. Verse 3. Look at this. Are you guys paying attention to verse 3? Then 10 of Joseph's brothers, but he had 11 brothers. Oh, then 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain for Egypt. Verse 4, listen carefully. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. This is 21 years later. These boys are not boys anymore. They're all men. They have families. They're all kind of established. And the dad has one last thing that he loves. He's protecting Benjamin, right? Now, how many of you know what happens next in this story, right? The boys go down to Egypt. They don't know that Joseph's still alive. Joseph recognizes them, and he has a hard time emotionally, right? But then Joseph plays tricks on them, which is I find quite amusing, okay? He plays a bunch of games on them, and then... He says, you guys are a bunch of traitors. You're here, you're spies. You're spies from Canaan, and you're here to spy on our land. And they're like, no, 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 we're not spies. We're just guys trying to buy some grain, man. Like, well, yeah, tell me about your family. And then Joseph starts to pin them down and ask them about their family. And they, now all of a sudden they give it away. They have another brother back home. And they're like, so Joseph says, well, here, you can prove to me that you're not spies. If you go back and bring your brother Benjamin back here, and if you... And I'm going to keep Simeon with me. I'm going to keep him hostage right here with me. And you can go back and tell your father that I want to see Benjamin in order to prove you're not spies. He gives him their grain back. And little did they know, of course, he put their silver back in their grain. And they go back. And they're going to talk to Jacob. Now remember, you're in Jacob's shoes. Jacob doesn't know Joseph is alive. Jacob has lost his wife. Jacob has lost his oldest son, and now he's afraid he's going to lose his youngest son. And we pick the story up here in Genesis chapter 42, verse 33. Then the man, so they are now talking to Jacob, 
And they're telling Jacob what happened. Dad, we went down there, and this is what happened to us while we were down in Egypt. Then the man who was lord over the, the land said to us, This is how I would know whether you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me, and take food for your starving households, and go. But bring your youngest brother back to me, so I will know that you are not spies, but honest men. Then I will give your brother back to you, and you can trade in the land. In verse 35, you're seeing this? As they were emptying their sacks, there in each man's sack was the pouch of silver. When they and their father saw the money pouches, they were frightened. The most powerful nation on earth, which actually has the only food that they can find, is also having hostage now their, their other brother Simeon, and now they are basically have somehow stolen from this people who have this power, who actually are hostaging their brother Simeon. And now, can you think about Jacob for a second? Jacob is here in the middle of a famine. His boys look like they have messed this up royally. And he says this, their father Jacob said to them, verse 36, you have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more and Simeon is no more. And now you want to take Benjamin. Can you say this with me? Whole church together. Say this last phrase with me, ready? Everything is against me. Let's together try this again. Everything is against me. This is how Jacob is feeling. And I don't know about you this morning. I don't know how you're feeling. I know there is seasons of grief as I walk through and thinking about what was happening and all the loss back in Canada. I'm looking at this and going, what the, how can we, what do we do? But what about you this morning? There are relationships in your life and you think, how is this ever going to work? How are we ever going to get past this? You feel hopeless. I can't get any further. I don't know what to do. I, I, I don't, everything is against me. And we can all feel this way. We can all get here. And if you're not there yet, praise Jesus. I hope you never get there. But a lot of us get there from time to time. Is that true, not church? And we just need to know, what do we do when everything feels like this? This is very real, and this is not something God has lost on. This is how we are, and God put this in the Bible so we can see it and understand what we do when we're in these circumstances, amen? And so we see here, Jacob is feeling this incredible pain. He's like, everything in the world is against me, and why wouldn't he feel that way? I'm in the middle of famine. My wife is dead. My son I love the most is, is dead. And now they want to take my other son, and my other son Simeon is also captive down there, and the most powerful nation in the world thinks I'm a spy. Like, what the hey? I might as well just go kill myself. Let's take a peek at Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Paul writes, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Guys, we know the rest of the story, don't we? We have the privilege of more information than Jacob. And we can look at Jacob and go, oh, come on, Jacob, stop being like that. But Jacob didn't know that Joseph was still alive. Jacob didn't know that God was using all this. All Jacob knew was it looked very hopeless. And that might be you today. But I'm, I'm here to tell you, the God of the Bible put this here for us. And God is working things that we don't see. 
We don't know the whole picture. We can't see everything. And the sovereign God of the universe can take even the bad things that his brothers did and do cool things. We're going to move along here in the text, but I want you to really process that a little bit. So we know it sometime passes. They don't want to go back because even though Simeon's there, they, he doesn't want to give up Benjamin. Famine is still kicking in, full, street, full steam ahead. Second year into the famine, they don't have enough food to, met, to last, and they realize they have to do something about it. And we pick the story up. In Genesis chapter 45, Jacob has now sent the boys back down with Benjamin to his, much of his chagrin, and they go down to meet, they don't realize, Joseph. And finally, Joseph breaks. He breaks, he's weeping, he can't, he can't contain himself. He loves his brothers, he loves his family, and he can't believe that God is reuniting them, and he's so excited about it. And jo Joseph breaks, and he reveals himself to his family. We see in Genesis 45, verse 4, Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been a famine in the land, and now for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. Look at verse 7. Can we read it together? But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Hallelujah. Can we praise God? God was working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, where in verse 8, Lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt, and now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says, God has made me Lord of all of Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You and your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have, and I'll provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will come to destruction. So Joseph pleads, with them to go, and they do. They go. It says in verse, chapter 47, verse 11, it says, So Joseph settled his father and his brothers in Egypt. He gave them property in the best part of the land, in the district of Ramses, as Pharaoh directed. And Joseph also provided his father and his brothers, all his father's household, with food according to the number of their children. Isn't that incredible? Can you imagine Jacob when his boys come back and they say, Dad, Dad, you won't believe this. But, but, but Joseph's still alive. And he comes, they come back with who? They come back with Benjamin. He's still alive too. They come back with Simeon. He's still alive too. And guess what? We're going to go back and we're going to be protected from the famine and from all the trouble that's going to happen to us. God saw way ahead of time and he prepared a way for our deliverance. Praise God. And they lived there. And they lived there for a long time and had peace. And finally, Jacob dies. And we know the story. Jacob, they send him back and they bury his bones with his father. And there's a big ceremony. And later on, after Jacob dies, though, you know what happens? The boys are afraid. Because some 30 years before that, they tried to kill their brother. The one who has all the power. You know that guy? And instead of killing him, which they would have done had it been inconvenient not to sell him and make money, they sold him as a slave instead, because that's so much better. And they're still feeling their guilt about the wrong that they did. And they're afraid. 
And so they lie. They make up a story. They want to manipulate Joseph so they can be protected. And so they make up a story. We pick up the story in Genesis chapter 50. Look at verse 15. And when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds the grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, oh, your father left these instructions before he died. Liars. Yeah, right. They, they learn from their, this is a family condition, I think, of manipulation and lying. Verse 17, this is what you are to say to Joseph, I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Please forgive the sins of your servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. Joseph had already forgiven them. Joseph had, Joseph had forgiven them long ago. Wasn't Joseph's forgiveness obvious all around them? And wasn't it apparent all the generosity and grace that was given to them because of Joseph's influence over their lives? Couldn't they see his forgiveness all around them? But they were still living in fear and they were still afraid. And Joseph, look what he says to them. It's incredible. Verse 18, his brothers came and threw themselves down. Going, we are your slaves. Don't kill us. Right? Verse 19, really important verse in the Bible. Very important. Look what he says. Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Can you read that with me? Am I in the place of God? We're going to talk about that in a second. But Joseph said, I'm not supposed to be judging you, and I don't have the right to kill you or do anything. That's God's job to judge you. You intended to harm me, he says in verse 20, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Guys, we have a few more minutes left. You probably already grabbed a couple of thoughts that are going to help you already. Would you say that the Holy Spirit's helped you think about some things? But I want to tie some things together for us. Is that okay? Question is, what do we do when all hope is lost? If you've got your notes that you have when you walked in, the first point is this. You probably already can guess it. First point is trust God. Trust God. Trust God. Romans 8 tells us, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Guys, listen to this. We are not in control. Ready? I want you to say this as loud as you can. God is. Ready? We are not in control. That is really important, people. We don't know what's going on. God does. God does. We don't know what's going on. God does. That's really important. We think we've got it all figured out. We're feeling hopeless. Jacob had every right to feel hopeless. He's not an idiot. He's not stupid. He's not a terrible human being. He just felt hopeless because everything he could see and feel was not working the way he thought it should work. And that is how we often get. And it's not wrong for us to feel that way. But what do we do? And I'm telling you, the Bible is teaching us the first thing we should do is trust God. Amen? We should trust God, put our hope in the sovereign God of the universe who knows what's going on, who cares deeply for us, who wants our very best and can work all of the difficult things in our life and even the things that are sin, the evil that you have done and the evil that the people have done to you. And he can use that for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Can we give glory to God? 
He is a sovereign God and we trust him. And what do we do when we're hopeless? We trust God. Amen? We are people of faith. We believe God. We trust God. And God is calling us to believe him and to trust him. You want to know how to please God? Hebrews tells us. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God, you please God by trusting him. We can trust God. Here's the second point. Ready? Keep doing what is right. Can you say it with me? Keep doing what is right. Okay, one more time. Keep doing what is right. That's really important, guys. Sometimes when we get hopeless, we get overwhelmed, we can't figure out what to do, we just close down and we shut down and we get in our fetal position and we cry and we, we, we lash out and hurt other people around us and we blame and we, uh, and we think we are justified and lashing and doing our things and we have every right to be this monster of other people or to hide in our little closet and cry and, and we need to grieve. There's nothing wrong with grieving, but I'm going to tell you, when we don't know what's going on, we feel hopeless, the best thing we can do is keep doing what's right. Look at Joseph. Anyone who had a reason to sit in the corner and cry was Joseph. He was sent as a slave, and he didn't go, I'm a slave, poor me, and do the worst slave he could possibly be. He was the best slave he could be, and God honored that, and he became over all of Potiphar's affairs. Then he was unjustly, unduly, wrongly treated and sent to prison. And he could sit in the prison, oh, it's not fair, I shouldn't have been here. He didn't like, I didn't do anything wrong, look at me. He did not do that. Joseph, together, kept doing, wasn't he? Kept doing what was right. And what did God do with that? He became over the entire prison. And then later on, the Pharaoh says, I want to talk to this guy because I have a dream. Guys, when we don't know what's going on, when we feel hopeless, the thing God's asking us to do is trust God and keep doing what's right. Amen? Keep doing what's right. Here's the last thing I want to give you. When you're feeling hopeless, a lot of times we feel hopeless because there's been pain. People have mistreated us. A lot of injustice. I can tell you, I feel that. I live that. Mark and I have talked about that. And we can, in our human behavior, take on the role of God in someone else's life and start to judge. Judging isn't saying something's wrong. No, that's just talking about truth. Judging is when you start to bring some level of penalty to somebody else so that they can pay for the wrongs they've done. Joseph doesn't do that. The thing we're supposed to do, ready, is forgive. Ready? The thing we do when we're feeling hopeless? Yeah. The thing that we do is, ready, we forgive. This is really important. Genesis chapter 50, go back to that passage. I want you to really think about what Joseph said here. Most of us look at the second part, which is great. Verse 20 is a wonderful verse. I don't want to take it out of the Bible. It's really, really good. But they overlook verse 19, which I think is almost more important for us to understand. Look what he says. Verse 19, Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Ready? Really loud and slow with me. Am I in the place of God? Answer? Ready? Answer? I'm not, and neither are you. We need to forgive. God is calling us to forgive those who hurt us. Forgive the difficult situations. Forgive the injustices in our lives. We are not God. God will deal with those. How many think God is better at dealing with stuff than we are? 
He has more power, more resources, more knowledge, and he is actually capable, and he never fails. And so he says he's going to deal with it. I know he's going to deal with it, and I can trust him. God will deal with it. So we need to be in a place where we, when we're hopeless, we don't try to control, we don't try to manipulate, we don't try to lash out, we don't try to find a way to take and get the people, get their comeuffins, because that is not honoring to our God. Amen? You know, I've got a theological conundrum for you. I know as, as Karis Fellowship people, we believe in eternal security, right? What do we do with the idea that Jesus says, if you do not forgive the sins of others, I will not forgive you. Just asking. You know the way around that conundrum? Is forgive. (laughs) If you forgive, you don't have to worry about the theological disconnection at all. Amen? So why don't we just stop worrying about the deep theology and just obey Jesus and what he asks us to do. I want to think that's a good idea. So let's forgive. And so guys, I just want to encourage you this morning. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's been happening in your world. I don't know the pain that you're dealing with. I know my own. And I know for seasons I can feel helpless. I can feel overwhelmed. I feel like I don't know what to do next. I feel like I've been treated unjustly. I feel like everything is against me. And so what do I do? Well, I'm telling you what the Holy Spirit has shown me through his word and through the story of Jacob. The first thing I need to do is trust God. The second thing I need to do is keep doing what's right. And the last thing I need to keep doing is forgive. Amen? Let's do that together. Let's pray.